talking about daily devotionals, and we use the word devotional, and that draws to mind a particular image or several images in our minds, and sometimes we simply forget. It's simply communication. God talking to us and our talking to God. And what's involved in that? To God be the glory and all the great things that he has done for us. We believe we are privileged to be able to take anything to God in prayer. We feel we're blessed that we have an opportunity to be able to express what is ever, whatever is on our heart or our mind, the trials, the tribulations that we may be going through to, be, to, to feel that we have the privilege and the honor to lay that before God. Is not the reverse true as well? Is God not privileged? And are we not privileged to know that God can communicate to us what's on his heart and what's on his mind? Can he not communicate to us what his desires are for us as his children? And now our lives are enriched because we have this avenue of communication. Some of it may be silent. Some of it may be our thoughts and our thoughts that we express in our mind. And some of it may be as written down as he expresses his will towards us. He gave us his will because of the depths of his love. He shares with us his deepest thoughts. I so loved you before the foundation of the world that I plan to redeem you through the precious blood of my Son in order that you may have forgiveness of your sins and that you may have a hope of an eternal home with me one day. And I promise you that as you walk through this life that you never walk alone paraphrase a lot of the scriptures, but it's the thought of our recognizing this need that we have on a daily basis. We communicate daily with one another in some form fashion, and we need to communicate daily with God, and we need to see that as a communication. It's not just simply spending some time reading some scriptures, uh, following a pattern that we may have, not saying that that's wrong within itself, but it's more than just reading a selected passage of the Old Testament or the New Testament, reading a, a period of, or a, a selection of passages on a regular basis, but it's listening to what God has to say. And the 119th Psalm is a good passage to read and to spend some time on it. Listening, listening to God speak to you, listening to God express 
what's on his mind and what's important to him and trying to instill that within us. It's not one to be read quickly through and it's difficult to do that. To, to read that whole psalm at one sitting. But to spend some time listening to him as he talks. And particularly this evening we want to look at Psalm 119. And we want to look at verses 97 through 104. It's mentioned at times that the psalm is broken down into 22 sections. Each one for a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And we do not see it in English, but each one of those psalms in that particular section will begin with that letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Going from alpha, not alpha, but you know, from Aleph to, uh, to the last one of the Hebrew uh, alphabet. But it takes them one at a time. And it, it is, again, not just poetry, not just harmonizing some thoughts along the way, but this is God communicating to you of some things that are important. And that as we reflect, to be able to reflect back to God and our communication to Him. And you think about as he's expressing this, Oh, how I love your law, the psalmist is saying. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments... Make me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancient, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way. In order to keep your word, I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. The reminder to us what God is looking for in our life. What do we meditate upon? What do we dwell on? What are we listening to? You talk to parents and grandparents, great-grandparents, And they are able to recall conversations that they had with their children, grandchildren and great-grandchildren, over a period of years. They remember words that were spoken. How they expressed. I've mentioned before, I've got notes and Bibles from my children. And they're precious to me. I love you, Dad. Just the thought of that expression. What do we hear? What do we recall? What do we call what do we recall God as Father 
speaking to you through his word. Do we see it as that? That's him speaking to you. Before the foundation of the world, he's laying out this communication, this thought process that we have along the way. To be able again to take it from the physical conversations that we have and the meditations that we go through to the spiritual application that goes along as, a, as well. Each verse is addressed to God directly. As you read through, there's no petition. There's only adoration and the thought of the psalmist of what God has done for him. But it starts with that verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. Is that a concept that we have? Is that something that we express to God? He has spoken what he wants from us. That's his love letter to us, as it sometimes has been called. But it's his communication to us. Here is what I want from you. Do you love that? Here's where I see concerns in your life and what you can do to avoid some problems within your life. Do you see it as God's love for you? I want you to do some things and I want you to avoid doing some things. Because as you avoid doing some things, I hate every false way because I don't hate most false ways. I hate every false way. I hate anything that would detract or pull me away from God. Do I understand that that's what God would want? Draw close to me, he says, and I will draw close to you. Lean on me. Gain your understanding. Learn what it is that he would want us to do within his will. The psalmist says, does not say I, I read your law. Doesn't say I, I know your law. Or doesn't say I believe your law or that I obey your law. It says I love your law. That encompasses the others. As I go through daily devotionals, am I looking to God in those lights that I love his word? I love how he communicates with me. But I have to meditate on that. It's hard to meditate on all of this at one time, is it not? It's impossible one. You cannot meditate on all of it and everything it has to say at one time. But there ought to be a love for what it has to say. And there are passages that hit you throughout your reading and, and, and dwelling on it that really strike home from time to time. Yes, the others are important. But again, he's letting us know the depths of his love. Before the foundation of the world, I so loved you that I planned your redemption. I so loved you that I planned for a way to bring you back out of sin into a relationship with me as a father and a child. I so loved you before the world began. 
that I planned how to keep you close to me. Not because you have to. See, God's people down through time have tried that. I'm here because I have to be here. I'm here because that's what the law says I need to do. But the heart, as Jesus told the people of his day, your heart is far from me. And that's not what God has always looked for, the heart. He's always looked for the being, the emotion, the total personality of an individual. And then where to develop that within our lives? So listen. Those of us who have lost parents along the way have an understanding. How many would just love to hear the parent's voice one more time? Just to hear, you know what they said, and you also know how they said it. But there's something about the hearing of the voice. We're not able to do that with God except through his word. Do we hear his love through his word? Does it touch the soul and cause us to want to change our lives? His love. The psalmist's love for the law of God is in the present tense. He loves the law. It's not that he did it one time, that he's planning to do it. We go that in our lives. I remember what I used to do. I know what I need to be doing. It's what am I doing right now? How is his word touching my life right now? It's real. Why do I love God's law? Well, he reminds us that the word of God will make you wise. The whole of the Psalm 119. You make you wiser than your enemies. If you look at Psalm 119, you will find that enemies abound in life. The psalmist had enemies in verse 51, proud enemies. He has slanderous enemies in verse 69 of Psalm 119. He had enemies that were determined in verse 110. He had oppressive enemies in verse 121. Disobedient enemies in 150. And he had a lot of enemies from Psalm 119 and verse 157. The psalmist is full of saying there are enemies in God's, in our lives. But God's word makes you wiser than them. It gives you an understanding of who who, they are, who they are. Gives you an understanding of what's behind them. And it gives you an understanding of how do you deal with them. Several ways that they can be done. You meet them head on. You meet them at a peace table. You deal with them later. A lot of ways that you can deal with them. God's word helps us. We deal with those in this world that again, in the time frame that we're in, that really do not want to hear what God has to say. 
The scripture reminds us that everybody did, did what was right in their own eyes. And we live in that, that type of society, do we not? I'm going to do what's right in my own eyes. And I'm not going to listen to what it is that God would have us to do. We have these enemies and we need to be mindful of them. Paul would remind the Ephesians in the sixth chapter of that book. And in verse 12, Ephesians chapter 6, down at verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly place. So therefore, take up that whole armor of God. Take on God's word. Understand you've got a battle out there. You're fighting enemies whom you do not see. You're fighting enemies whom you do not fully understand their tactics and how they work because they are deceptive. But you are reminded that you have a greater power on your side, and that is God's Word. You go back and you read Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Jesus' temptation in the wilderness with Satan. And you realize how with each temptation that Jesus faced, he overcame it with God's Word. It is written. And when Satan used God's word in trying to tempt Jesus, he also used the expression, it is also written. The reminder to us, and sometimes people today forget that, it is right, it is proper to use one scripture to limit another scripture. We've got people out there that says that whatever you ask, you shall receive in abundance. We love, some of them love that scripture. Whatever I ask, I'm going to receive it. Another scripture says, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. You want to spend it on yourself. Does that one not strike home at some time in our life? I ask and I do not receive because I'm asking for the wrong reason. I want it for me. Lord, take away my illness. Take away my loved one's illness. I'm not asking for God's will to be done. I'm asking for him to make my life better. As I perceive it, and not as God describes it, of what is better and what is good. Seeking his will is what we need to be doing. We have 66 books and the scriptures. Jesus did not, did not need to use, well, he didn't have the 66 at that time. He had the 39. But he didn't need to use them all. But he used what was necessary. That comes through meditation. That comes through a devotion. That comes through our spending time with God's word. And it's amazing how God works. It's amazing how at times when you're going through a trial or tribulation that a, a verse will come to mind. And when you read it, it's, it's what you need. It helps you at that particular time. 
other cases where other verses will come to mind. God supplies what we need. Why the psalmist says, I love your law. For him it was the law of Moses, but he said, I love your law. It's my meditation all the day long. It's what helps me through life. Love God's word. It's by spending the time in it on a regular basis. That's that communication. Am I talking to God in prayer and he's talking to me through his word? Do I listen? And I'm sure that as children spiritually, uh, we're not that way. I mean, what we are as children physically, what I hear from my parents speaking is what I want to hear. And what I do not want to hear, I, oh, I didn't hear you say that. Do we do that with God? Are the passages that we know that are there, that we want to mm, lay aside for a moment, because we know what they teach, we know what they say, and we know the application that comes out of that. And again, so many times, you know, I've used it, uh, I always pick on the husbands because wives get picked on enough as it is. You know, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And I ask the question, husbands, how are you doing? Love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Husbands, how are you doing? How are you loving your wife? Want to know what love is? Well, you go back to 1 Corinthians 13 and you read what love is. Verses 1 through 3 will tell you how important love is. If you could do everything else that you could do and not have love, it profits nothing. Love is not selfish. Love is not conceited. Does not take into our, wrong, uh, into our account a wrong suffering. It's patient, long-suffering. It's going to last forever. All the miraculous gifts that are described there in 12, 13, and 14 of 1 Corinthians are going to be done away with. But the greatest of all of this is love. Because love will still be there. How are we doing? Do we listen to those passages? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Well, you don't know what they're asking me to do. Do we want to argue our situation with God? If you do, go back and read the book of Job. Job wanted to argue his situation. I've done no wrong, he says. Well been right in what he had to say. Why am I going through this? That's the question. Why is God doing this to me? Well, as you read through Job, he, come, he comes around to be able to confront God, and God answers him. Job, you want an answer? Listen, well, I'll ask you some questions. You answer me, then I'll answer your questions. And I said it, the first one always does it for me. Where were you? Where were you when I laid the foundation of the world? Tell me if you know. Tell me why the world is designed the way that it is. Can you explain that? We say it's there. We understand that. We understand there's an organization to it. Yes, we understand that. There's the, the stars and the galaxies and all that's out there. We understand the created world and all the processes that go on there. 
But can you explain the why? You know, why did God make the platypus? Why did he make some of these animals? I mean, you look at them and say, what in the world was the design behind that? Explain the why. If you want to talk to God. Since I cannot, I trust God. I have to. I need to. I want to. I want to trust him. I don't have to see the why. Why do I have to go through this trial? Why do I have this hardship in my life? Why is this difficulty placed before me? Why does it not go away? How come I'm stuck with it for life? I don't need to know the why. Because I'm promised that God is with me as I go through this life. That's what the psalmist is trying to remind us of as he goes through the elements as well. The word of God will make you wise so that you can do his bidding along the way. The word of God will keep you from sin. Hold back my feet from every evil way. He'll keep you from sin. I know what God said. I need to listen to it. Everything that glitters is not gold. And there's a price for everything that we do. There's lessons to be learned. We can take what the worst mistakes we've made and that can be used for our glory or for God's glory. But it also has its results as well. It, scars sometimes are, are born throughout the remainder of our life. There's forgiveness. And there's hope. And there's a pressing on, forgetting what lies behind and press on to what lies ahead. But everything has a reason and a purpose. Knowing that God is overall, it's hard. We look in the time frame that we're in right now, and it's hard to get it all straight in our mind. Why is all this taking place? All I know is God knows. He is in control. It's all being done by his hand overall in it. And a lot of it is simply trying to remind us, listen, human beings, you are not in control of the world in which you live. You're not God. And you do not know the end result of what I have in mind for what is, what is happening. I have to trust God on that. What I see is evil, is may be and is evil, but it may work for good if I trust God. It will keep me from sin. See the danger that is there. See the promises that are given. Rest on the promises that God has given to me, whether I use them as often as I should or not, but I know they're there. God is faithful and just, who will not, listen to the words, that will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able to bear. But with every temptation, every temptation will provide a way of escape. That's a promise of God. The promise says, when I sin, it's right here. Here, here, wherever you want to point to. It's, it's me. 
When I give in, it's here. The finger comes here. I give in. God has promised me. I don't, he says, paraphrase, it does not matter what it is. It does not matter the severity of what it is. It does not matter the length of what it is. I'm promising you that there is no temptation that you take, but that you cannot, cannot overcome it. He will not allow you to be tempted what you, above what you're able to bear. And God will, with every temptation, provide that way of escape. That's the promise of God. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you, says the Lord. If God is for us, what can man do to us? Again, that's that reminder to us as we have the trials and the tribulations that we go through. What can man do to us? If God is for us and if God is in control, he knows what's going on. He knows the weakness of your heart. Your weakness of faith. But he's also promised you that he is with you each step that you take. If I confess my sins, I know that he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. It's up to me. Do I trust him? His word will indeed keep me from sin. How do I live my life along the way to do the things that God would have me to do? Am I willing to follow him and do his bidding in my life? The word of God will bring joy. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. And through your precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every evil way. But the word of God brings joy, sweeter than honey. And all that's been going on or what's been said, does that not bring joy? It doesn't matter what the world is doing. You have the joy of knowing that God is with you. Each step that you take, he's with you. Each trial that you encounter, he's with you. He strengthens you. We may not know that. We, may th- we, do, we do see ourselves as weak. We do not know the strength that God gives to us to be able to overcome. We look back sometimes and say, I do not know how I got through that. Well, God does. He knows how you got through that. You lean on Him. Lean on the Lord. And He'll give you the understanding that you need along the way. My taste, my mouth, is personal. God's word has application to you. He says to somebody, no, he says to you. The psalmist says, his words are sweet and honey to my mouth and to my taste as I strive to do his will. And therefore, indeed, again, we hate every false way. It's a joy, it's a privilege, it's an honor. The responsibility and doing the bidding of God within our life. Are we willing to follow him? Are we willing to do what he would have us to do? That's a choice that each one has to make on an individual basis. God is always, always 
always willing to receive one who is willing to come. The question is, will we come? Be it to become that child of God, or be it to renew that life in Christ Jesus again, if we've let the world darken our view, darken our understanding of who God is. And we need to respond to that invitation. If we could assist you, if we could help you, indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.